Well, good morning. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord and seek his blessing. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy, reverend is your matchless name. Father, we very carefully and reverently come into your presence, daring only come pleading the name, the obedience, the sacrifice of Christ our Savior. And Father, how thankful we are that sinful men and women like us can come into your presence accepted in the Beloved because of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he's accomplished for us. And Father, we're thankful. And how I pray this morning that you would enable us to truly worship you. I pray, Father, that you cause the name of Christ our Savior to be lifted up and that you give us eyes to behold him and see him, that you give us faith to trust him. Father, what we pray for ourselves in our class this morning, we pray for our children's classes especially. Father, that you'd bless in a very special way in this hour. We pray you'd be with our teachers, that you'd give them wisdom and understanding and teaching. Father, that you would give our children a receptive heart that would receive the things that are, are taught to them, that you would plant in their hearts this very morning the seeds of faith that you'd cause to, to grow to faith and life in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful for this congregation that you've given to us. We're thankful for a people who have a heart of peace and, and unity that have the, the unified desire to come together and to hear the gospel preached, to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray you continue to bless us, that you continue to lead and guide, that you not leave us to ourselves now, but you continue to, to bless your word for your great namesake. Father, for your people that you brought into the time of trouble and trial, we pray for them. We pray you'd be with them in a, in a healing way. And Father, that you would comfort their hearts, that you would deliver as soon as it could be thy will. We pray especially for Peg, that you'd be with her in this healing process. Pray for Barb and Father, the other in each especially. Be with them, we pray. And all these things we ask in that name which is above every name the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now I've titled our lesson this morning, The Baptism of John. You know, many people think many different things about the baptism of John the Baptist. You know, what, what was that baptism? What did that baptism mean? And they've got a lot of ideas. You ask 10 people, you may get 10 different answers. Well, I want us to learn this morning, what does the scripture say about the baptism of John? Mark 1, verse 4, John, that's John the Baptist, did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all, all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now here's the first thing about the baptism of John. The baptism of John is not a different baptism. The baptism of John is believer's baptism. Ephesians 4 verse 5 says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. 
So the baptism of John is the same baptism that, that we observe today. Every believer is baptized with the same baptism, the same confession. They're all confessing Christ. Now, when John the Baptist baptized a person, they were confessing salvation in Christ by the same way we do today. The only difference is they were looking forward to it. John told him, told them what's coming. We look back on it. We look back on, on a finished work, but we're both confessing faith in Christ the same way. Now, if you look over at Acts chapter 19, I can show you that. Acts 19, this passage is confused a lot of people, but I hope I can, can uh, clear that confusion up this morning. Acts 19. Look first at verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. See, they're looking to one who's still yet coming. They should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, here's here's the confusion here. People think, verse 5 says, when they heard this, they think that means the people that Paul was, was talking to were then baptized again. That's not what it means. Paul is going on saying they were baptized um, that... They, they should believe on Jesus Christ. And when they, when the people who heard John the Baptist preach Christ, then they were baptized. The people that John baptized were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. John's baptism was believer's baptism. They were just believing, they're confessing faith in one who was to come. Now back in our text, verse 4, Mark says that John baptized people for the remission of sins. Now, that does not mean that baptism cleanses anybody of their sins. You're not baptized and you're not, now you're, you know, your sins are forgiven and you have remission of sins. That doesn't mean that at all. Look back just a couple pages at Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. This is a good example of if you want to understand what the Scripture means, you've got to compare Scripture with, with, with Scripture. Matthew 26, verse 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's the blood of Christ that gives us remission of sins, isn't it? It's the blood of Christ that washes away our sin. So what does it mean when Mark says they were baptized for the remission of sins? Well, I looked this up. I found this very, very helpful. I hope you will too. This is the definition of the word for. That Strong's Concordance gives for the remission of sins. It says for could have two meanings. If you saw a poster saying Jesse James wanted for robbery, for could mean Jesse is wanted so he can commit a robbery, or Jesse is wanted because he has committed a robbery. The latter sense is the correct one. So too in this passage, the word for signifies an action in the past. Otherwise, it would not, it would violate the entire tenor of the New Testament teaching on salvation by grace and not by works. So this word for, Mark uses, John baptized for the, remit, the remission of sins. He baptized people because they were confessing their sin was put away in the blood of Christ. Now it would be put away in the blood of Christ when, when he's crucified, 
But they don't, they have remission of sins in the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Their sins are, are remitted, washed away in the blood of Christ. Now, by faith, they were looking forward to that sacrifice the same way we look back on that sacrifice. It's by faith. By faith, trusting his blood is all it takes to wash away my sin. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean, Paul already told us that in, in the book of Acts. This is believer's baptism. They were confessing Christ. I know that because of John's message. Now, what was John's message? Well, you know, we don't have a lot of, of outlines. We don't have a lot of history of, of John's different messages that he preached. But I do know his message. I know the tenor of John's message. It was Christ. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. There's one coming after me. I'm not worthy to untie his shoe. You look to him. You go to him. That was the tenor of John's message. John the Baptist knew exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ was. He's the last Old Testament prophet. He knew exactly who Christ was and what Christ came to do. John knew that Christ would come to be the sacrifice for the sin of his people. That's why John identified him as the Lamb of God. You know, the people, you, you got to remember, who was it John was preaching to? What did they use lambs for? They used lambs for sacrifices. Didn't they? They, knew, they knew exactly what John was saying. This man is the sacrifice for sin. John preached who Christ is and what Christ came to do. He came to be the sacrifice for the sin of his people. And John knew he'd be successful. That he put away all of the sin of all of his people. Not one of them could ever be found guilty of sin because Christ would die as their sacrifice. His blood would, would atone for their sin. John identified Christ as the sacrifice who would take away sin. Now, he said that the sin of the world, and you know that doesn't mean the sin of everybody that ever lived. It means sinners from all over the world. All walks of life. I don't care who they are. I don't care how, how bad we think their sin is. I don't care how open you know that their, that their sin is. They don't just have to be a religious Jew. Sinners from all over the world receive remission of sins in the blood of Christ. And people heard that message and they were baptized, confessing their faith in, in that Christ. That Christ, that Savior is the only way I can be saved. That's what they are confessing. That was true then and it's true now. We're baptized today. We're confessing faith in the same Savior, that his blood put away our sin. So John preached Christ. And the way that a person confesses faith in Christ once they hear him preached is believer's baptism. All right, number two. Let me tell you what baptism is, and I guess what it's not, too. There's a lot of confusion about that, too, isn't there? What baptism is. Confessing Christ in baptism, all it is, it's a picture. It's a type. Just like the Old Testament types and pictures we like to read and study and hear preached from today, baptism is a type. Just like the Lord's table is a type, right? The wine is, is a type, a picture of the blood. The broken bread is a picture of Christ's broken body. Baptism is a type. That's what it is. Now, the type doesn't save. The type doesn't wash away sin. Christ saves. Christ washes away sin. Baptism pictures what it took for the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. That's what baptism pictures. It's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So when a person is, is baptized, that's what they're confessing. 
Christ died the death that I deserve. The reason Christ died is my sin. My sin demanded his death. And when Christ died, I died in him. When a person is baptized, they're confessing when Christ was buried. His body lay in the tomb, lifeless for three days. He truly died. That wasn't just a you know, pretend thing. He died for my sin. And since he died, I don't have to fear the justice of God sending me to hell. Sin demands death. Christ already died that, that death that I deserve. I don't have to fear the justice of God sending me to hell. I already died in Christ. When Christ died, I died in him. And then when a person is baptized, they're confessing my hope of justification. My hope of the remission, the forgiveness of my sins is the resurrection of Christ. You know, when a, when a person baptizes or is baptized confessing Christ, that is such a joy to the church. It's a joy to that person. It's a joy to the whole church. It wouldn't be a joy if we dunked that person underwater and held them there till they drowned, would it? That, that, there wouldn't be any joy in that at all. There was a, years and years ago, Brother Henry was getting ready to baptize a woman, and he was talking about this is death. This is death. And she had a, a little boy, five years old. And this boy, by the time Henry baptized his mama, he was boo-hoo sobbing. He thought Henry was going to drown his mama. He thought his mama was going to die, you know. There would be no joy in that whatsoever. There would be no joy in the death of Christ if he stayed dead, would there? The joy we have in the death of Christ is he was raised again from the dead. Christ died for my sin and he arose again because my sin was paid for by his blood. Put away by his precious sin atoning blood. He was delivered for our offenses. And when a person is baptized, they're not just saying Christ was delivered for our offenses. He delivered for my offenses. He was raised again for my justification. Raised again is the evidence. His death justified me from all of my sin. And I have spiritual life now. I've risen in Christ. I have spiritual eternal life because when Christ arose, I arose in him. Now that's what baptism is. That's what a person is confessing in baptism. Now since that's so, there's some things that we know baptism is not. Spiritual, believer's baptism is immersion in water. Complete immersion in water. Sprinkling water on somebody, that's not baptism. It's not. Baptism pictures a burial, doesn't it? A person confessing Christ is buried under the water, completely under the surface of the water, just like our Savior was buried in the earth, out of sight, after he died. When we bury somebody, you don't throw a handful of dirt in their face and walk off and say the job's done. No, we bury them, don't we? So that's what baptism is. It's a picture of the burial of Christ. It's immersion. That's what we confess when, when, when we're baptized. So here's another thing that that means. Baptism is a confession. This is what I believe. This is what I confess. This is my hope. That means baptism is not for babies. Baptism is for somebody who's old enough to know whom I have believed. That's who baptism is for. That could be a child. That could be an adult. That could be an old person. But it's somebody who's old enough to know whom they have believed. There's no age limit on it. You just have to be old enough to know 
whom that you believed. Now I go back to where I started on this point about what baptism is. Baptism doesn't give us the remission of sins. It doesn't wash away our sins. Don't make a work out of baptism. Don't say somebody is not saved until they're baptized. Don't say that. The thief on the cross was never baptized. So we can't say that. If we're saying somebody can't be saved until they're baptized, you know what we've done? We made a work out of baptism. We made a work out of it. Salvation is by grace alone. I mean grace alone. Without any work done on our part. It's not even something that I do to ratify Christ's sacrifice. It's not even something that I do to make his sacrifice effectual for me. That's a work. The salvation of God's elect is accomplished. I mean, our Savior meant it. When he cried from the cross, it is finished. Brother, it was finished. The work is finished. And baptism is a public confession. It's a confession of what Christ has already done. What he's done for me and what he's done in me. That's what baptism is. All right, third. Now, John's baptism is believer's baptism. So what does it mean when it says this is a baptism of repentance? Well, repentance. First, we have to understand what repentance is. Repentance is not turning from your sin and, and not sinning anymore. I saw a sign recently said said, repent and quit sinning. If that's what repentance is, there's not one son of Adam's ever been saved. Not one. Now you have to... There's no point in being dishonest and putting this religious veneer up in front of everybody, is there? Let's be honest. You who know Christ, we don't sin less than we did before, do we? No, no, not at all. We've got a nature that all it is is sin. Repentance has to do with the turning. It's not just, it's not quitting sin, it's a turning. It's turning away from what I used to trust in and turning to trust Christ. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not turning away from the things that I say, oh, you know, that's awful open sin. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't say that. It's, it, that that's not what repentance is. Repentance is turning away from all the good things that I've done. Repentance is turning away from the very best things I've ever done that I think would make God happy with me. I don't trust those things anymore. Now I trust Christ. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning away from my rags of righteousness because now I trust Christ. He's my righteousness. He's my robe, my covering of righteousness. And that's what John preached. Now remember who it was he was preaching to. He was preaching to Jews. I mean, these people were steeped in the Jewish law. They were steeped in, in, the, in the ceremonies. I mean, the, the life of, the, of a Jew at that time is different than, than what it is today. I mean, their life seven days a week revolved around this, this thing of, of the law and the, and the ceremonies and all these things, you know. And they trusted their salvation to the fact that they were Jews. They descended physically from, from, well, from Adam, but from Abraham. They trusted their salvation to the fact they followed these laws and they observed these ceremonies. Well, they, they wouldn't dare miss a Passover. They wouldn't dare miss a day day of atonement, you know. There were sacrifices of everything that went on in life, and they were offering those sacrifices, you know. Now, John came to those people 
and preach Christ to them. He preached salvation by grace. He preached salvation by the obedience of Christ, not their obedience. And when they believed, they believed Christ. They were baptized. It's a baptism of repentance. Publicly confessing, I don't trust those things anymore. Now I trust Christ. I don't trust anything about that works religion anymore. I trust Christ. I trust him. His life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection to put away my sin. That's where I'm putting all my hope of salvation. When we're baptized today, aren't we confessing the same thing? It's a baptism of repentance. We're publicly confessing, I don't trust what I used to trust in. I trust Christ. I trust the doing and dying of Christ to be all it takes to save me. I trust him, what he did for me. When I'm baptized, I'm confessing, I trust him. And everything I trusted before is out the window. That's what baptism is. Repentance is a turning, but it's also a changing. A changing. You know, when we turn in repentance, there's a change. I mean, we turn 180 degrees. Now, I believe the opposite, the polar opposite of what I used to believe in. So I used to believe in myself. Now, now I believe in Christ. I used to trust my works. Now I trust Christ. It's, it's a change. I'll give you a real good example of this from the scripture, from this word repent. Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is what the Lord's saying. Salvation is in Christ. It's in Christ. It's by the sacrifice he offered as our high priest. And God will never change from that. He'll never turn from that. Salvation is in Christ. God's not going to repent. Well, when the Lord saves his people, he doesn't change, but we sure do, don't we? No, we change. We change our mind. I change my mind about who God is. God cannot accept me as I am. God does not accept me, cannot accept me, because I go to a congregation where the right doctrine is preached, where the right gospel is preached. They're not preaching another Jesus. They're preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saved just because I attend there. God cannot accept me that as holiness. He can't accept that as righteous because God's holy. He can't pretend like something's holy when it's not. And I change my mind by who I am. I'm a sinner. And I have absolutely no hope in myself. I told you all this before. I say it all the time. You know that uh, how I, I grew up. I, I, I've been a Calvinist as long as I can remember. I just I, I believe those things were true. It's just it's obvious those things are true. And we'll just start with T, total depravity. What I always believed about total depravity is all mankind is totally depraved. And to me, that meant all you all. You all totally depraved. It's a white horse of another color when God shows me I'm totally depraved. God be merciful to me, the sinner. When I repent, I change my mind about myself. I mean, I'm worthless. I'm undone. What I deserve is for God to send me to hell for who I am. I change my mind about myself. I quit thinking I'm, I'm, I'm such hot stuff, you know. Now I see myself as I change my mind. And I changed my mind about Christ the Savior. This thing of Christ the Savior is not, you know, a, a, a doctrinal legal matter. 
I change my mind about Christ the Savior. I don't just trust what he did. I don't trust the message that tells me what he did. Jonathan, I trust him. See that? I trust him. I change my mind about this. Christ saves. I change my mind about this. I used to think he tried to save folks. Now I know this. He saves. <laughs> he saves. He doesn't offer salvation to anybody. He gives it. He gives it freely. Christ is the Savior. Salvation is not an offer. Salvation is an act of God's grace that's already been accomplished. And since it's done, the Lord Jesus Christ is the successful Savior of sinners. Everybody that he died for is going to appear with him in glory. He'll not lose one. He's the successful Savior. And I love him. See, when I'm baptized, I'm confessing him. I'm not confessing his work. I'm confessing him. And I'm in love with him. I'm in love with him. I don't really think it's it's uh, parsing words to say there's a difference in saying, I trust the work of Christ on the cross. No. I trust Christ. I trust him. Because of who he is, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection can save even me. I trust him. I believe him. I'm confessing him. So when I'm baptized, that's, that's what I'm confessing. That God has turned me to trust Christ and not my works. Now let me give you this last. Here we've seen, I hope, what baptism is. Well, who should be baptized? John baptized a lot of people. Who should be baptized? Well, that's a simple one. Now, there's some questions that are really difficult, you know, to answer, but there's some, some that are easy. This is a simple one. Who should be baptized? Everybody believes Christ. Everybody believes him. If you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is your only hope of salvation, it's the only way that you could ever be saved is he sacrificed himself to put your sin away, then you should confess him and believe his baptism. If you believe that all it takes to put your sin away is the blood of Christ, you don't have to help out by doing anything. All it takes to put your sin away is the blood of Christ. All it takes for your sin to be forgiven. For the Father to look at you as justified, as having no sin. If all it takes to accomplish that is the blood of Christ, then you should be baptized. If you believe the only way you can have eternal life is if Christ died the death that you deserve, then you should confess him and believe his baptism. Now listen, and I'm not trying to talk anybody and doing anything. I'm just telling you this is the truth. Not only should, if you believe that, you believe Christ that way. Not only should you be baptized, you must. You must. It's the Lord's commandment to everybody that believes to confess him in believers' baptism. It's his commandment. You're just not going to continue to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ till you obey the first commandment, to confess him in believers' baptism. Now, this is a commandment. But our Lord's commandments are not grievous, are they? They're not grievous at all. What a joy. What a joy to be able to publicly confess Christ is my Savior. What a joy to be able to publicly confess 
When Christ died, he died for me. He sacrificed himself for me. He rose again for me. That's a joy. That's a joy. Now listen, a person can know and trust Christ. They can be saved. They can die and be taken straight into the presence of God Almighty and glory without ever being baptized. But that doesn't mean baptism is unimportant. It won't save you. If you're baptized, if you want to be baptized in order to be saved and so that God will accept you, don't because it won't work. But that does not mean baptism is not important. Our Lord wouldn't have commanded his children to do it if it wasn't important, would he? Baptism does not make anybody saved. But I'll tell you this, in the for what it's worth category, I would not give a plug nickel for anybody's profession of faith that was never baptized. I, I just wouldn't do it. I mean, if they're not going to confess Christ publicly, I mean, I, I got some questions. But if you truly trust Christ, do you trust him? How can you not confess him? Well, how can you not confess him? It's our joy. It's our joy to do it. But you know what? When a person is baptized, and they believe Christ, and they're and they're baptized, and you know they're they're not somebody that uh, the Lord's ever going to enable to 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 preach. You know, I have the I have the great joy of getting to spend my week studying the Scriptures, studying Christ, finding Him, and, and then t- telling you about the Savior. That, that's such a joy, and you think, well, everybody didn't have that opportunity. Well, you're right. You're right. But baptism is not the last opportunity that you have to confess Christ. It's not. Every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, when you show up here to hear the gospel, you're confessing Christ. You're confessing your faith. I've come, I need to hear by Him. This thing of uh, of this confession it's not a once for all thing, is it? It, 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 it? If that was true, we we want to get baptized every Sunday. But the 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 life that a believer lives, looking to Christ and trusting Him and, and, and being with His people and helping His people and looking to serve, it's a constant it's a constant confession of Him, isn't it? But the first step of that believer's baptism. The, the baptism of John. Oh, well, help you and be, uh, maybe clear, clear some of these misunderstandings of, of John's baptism up for you. All right. Lord bless you.